0: Welcome to Salt Talks with Randy Marshall and Jim Lutz. Salt Talks, where we discuss topics of everyday life, faith, family, and the workplace. Hi, everybody. I'm Jim Lutz, along with author and speaker, Dr. Randy Marshall. Today's topic, our magic eight ball. Randy, I'll tell you what, when you told me what the topic was today, that blew a whole lot of cobwebs off memory lane, because I remember the magic eight ball, and boy, I got
1: heartbroken a lot. no. (laughs) I know. Uh, it hurt my feelings a lot because it kept coming up, uh, uh, ask me later or no, or think through this again and all that. Um, really, it's sort of a metaphor, Jim, for a larger, more serious topic, and that is how do we know God's will? And uh, talk about a large chunk to chew on, but we're going to try to do that today. Um, and, you know, it, I think there's a lot of confusion out there Uh, today on finding God's will, knowing God's will. Everybody wants it, uh, but nobody really knows how to get it, and so that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, To be honest with you, it takes me all the way back to Theology 101, and uh, there there are basically three parts, a triangle, if you will, of knowing God's will. There's His sovereign will, is what it's called, Uh, his divine decree, some would say, and that basically is about uh, no one can thwart God's purpose. Uh, If God says it, it's done, uh, relax, you're not going to stop it, Uh, you're not going to change it, it's sovereign, it's in place, and it will happen. There's a second part of that triangle, though, that deals with God's will, and that's his desired will. Uh, In the scripture, uh, we are given certain commandments that are very clear. And if you can obey those, it will go well with you. If you don't obey, it may not go well with you. It never ultimately goes well with you, but that's his desired will. So we have a choice to obey that or disobey that. Then there's a third, and that's what we're really gonna talk about today. And that's one that's creating a lot of confusion out there, particularly among the young people. And that's what I call the directional will. Uh, That will be our starting point today. And what that means is, what path do I personally take in life? Who do I marry? Where do I live? What job do I take? When do I do it? All those kinds of things. And so that's what we're going to talk about, his directional will. The problem today, uh, in a nutshell, is that waiting on the directional will is creating passivity among believers. It's creating uncertainty, a lot of self-doubt, because what we end up doing is sort of waiting for a sign or a feeling or a random thought. And we're leaning on things, Jim, that simply are not biblical. And we're, it's the magic eight ball. We're waiting for the instructions uh, for some Ouija board out there. And we are stuck is really what it amounts to. And that that's a shame. So we need to talk about that today. What do you think?
0: Well, I'll tell you, Randy, I, I think back a comment that I use with employers, I've always said, do me a favor, tell me what I need to hear. Don't tell me what you think I want to hear. And too many people go through life. If they don't hear something they like, it's just like the little kid, dad, can I get no. What's he do? Goes ask mom, mom, can mm-hmm. I get this? No. Grandma. <laughs> I mean, yeah, right, they've right. got this thing in line. Right. And right. so it, it, it has become very, very easy in our society that, well, we're seeing the whole cancel culture. If you don't like something, civil discourse is, is no longer part of the equation. It is, I don't like it. I want it gone.
1: Right. So. And what, what we're dealing with today in that respect is the potential to be disappointed because you're not getting your way. Like it, it, We're trying to find out the direction of what God wants us to do. But um, there's indecision that follows. I'll I'll say this, trusting in God's will or his divine decree is good. Uh, Following his will of desire, his commandments, is obedient. But waiting for God's will and his direction has turned out to be a mess. And here's why. It allows too many Christians to be passive, uh, sort of tinkerers, and strangely feel that they're honestly more spiritual than they actually are by simply waiting. And they'll do that, you know, they'll, they'll throw out pithy phrases like, well, I'm just waiting on God's will. Well, years go by and they're still living in mom's basement, waiting for God's will. Um, we know that God has a plan for our lives. That's wonderful. The problem is we think he's going to tell us the wonderful plan before it unfolds. We think we can know. In fact, we th- we believe we need to know what God wants us to do every step of the way, and that's not going to happen. It's not biblical, and we think you know a divine uh, curtain is going to open up, and whoa, voila, there it is. And it's just not biblical, and people are um, they they they're just not moving in the right direction, uh, and we got a lot of passive believers out there. They think it's so spiritual, and they use these God words, and basically, uh, they're, they're doing nothing. They're inactive. I think the better way is a biblical way, and uh, I think there's a way to, to actually do that. Uh, what I want to talk about, and basically what I want to ask you about, uh, is the generation that preceded uh, me. Now, I'm an old guy, and uh, you know I'm getting older. Uh, but you know, the younger generation, frankly, uh, expects too much, I think, out of family life, uh, out of a career, uh, out of marriage. Uh, this generation is kind of the opposite of when I grew up. Uh, they think when you marry, you're expecting great sex, an amazing family life, recreational adventures, cultural experiences, basically personal fulfillment. And that's the key word. I don't know if you've ever asked your grandparents this. Uh, I actually did. I didn't say fulfillment at the time, but if you ask your, your grandparents, uh, did you expect to have your needs met and to find fulfillment in life? They will probably look at you in a strange way, like you're talking a different language and uh, because they'll say fulfillment. What, 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 that, was, that wasn't our goal. Food was. Faithfulness was. Um, they'll probably say, I never thought about that fulfillment. I had a job, I ate, I lived, I raised my family I went to church. I was thankful. That's different than the attitude from today. Don't you think?
0: Absolutely. I mean, just the mindset going into something where there are some people that are not working that they'll say, well, I can't do that. That's below me. You know, I'm more qualified than that. Well, you're not working. You're not getting paid. You're living off the dole. And, you know, it's an ego thing in some ways that I'm better than that. But the generation you were just referring, I was always so impressed that they never said uh, that's below me. They said, oh, look, that's an opportunity for me to provide for my family. There was always a bigger picture and something deeper, more meaningful that they were their work and their life was basically the vehicle that got them to where they ultimately wanted their family to
1: be. Yeah, I think. You know, that, that old adage, you bloom where you're planted. Mm-hmm. They embrace that. Uh, yeah. when, the, when the Bible says, dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness, that's exactly what they did. They didn't have these grandiose dreams of traveling the world and, and all of these kind of checklists. I mean, you know, I don't think it's a problem having a bucket list, but good night at 20. I mean, you're thinking, right. okay, I deserve this or something. I'm entitled to this. And that word's bandied about, but there's a lot of truth to that.
0: Well, part of uh, what you just said about traveling and everything, look at how many people live within a couple miles of where they grew up. Mm-hmm. And there's a big, big percentage of people in our country that are like that. Well, my mom lived in Indianapolis for just a couple of years where my dad was from shortly after they got married and she was so miserable. She moved back to Kentucky where we grew up. Mm-hmm. My grandparents lived in that same house for years and they wanted to do things with their family. That was where their enjoyment came. It wasn't, I have to go to Europe for six weeks to really enjoy things. I want to enjoy the here and the now.
1: Yeah. You know, I think you hit on a a, a really salient point. Uh, You know, I think we live today with too many choices. Uh, They didn't have all those options and choices back then. And so it's really no surprise that we're uh, always thinking today, at least the younger generation, about what's the grass, that, that green grass on the other side of the fence. They're always pondering uh, what, what could be better or what might be nicer about something and, or someone new. Um, it's an interesting thought. And I, I was reading about this the other day and it really struck me. You know what the word decide means? The word decide comes from a Latin term, which means to cut off, to cut off. And that explains why I think many decisions today are so hard for the younger generation and some of the older generation because we can't stand the thought of cutting off anything, any of our options, because hey, if you choose A, you feel the sting and not having B and C and D. And as a result, what happens is that every choice feels worse Than no choice at all. And when we do make an important choice, we end up with buyer's remorse wondering if we're actually settling for second best. I mean, it's a crazy cycle we get in.
0: Yeah, well, they got that uh, FOMO fear of missing out. Yeah, you know, and I, I used to tell athletes all the time, you know, they're like, Well, I don't know. I'm not. I said, Well, you realize by not making a decision, you just made a decision, right? uh,
1: Yeah, (laughs) absolutely right. Uh, In college, I mean, if if professors today will ask college students, what do you want to do when you graduate? You know, it used to be, well, you know, excitement. Now it's agonizing. It's like, I don't know. I got to make a choice. I don't know. There's so many options out there. And so what we do, what a lot of people are doing today is they're living with uncertainty, uh, no predictability, little decisiveness, and a lot of self-doubt. And that that's a problem, and it all goes back, I think, to what is the will of God for my life directionally. And so we're going to get into the solution for just a minute. But right now, I think we're still painting the problem of you know the first world problem, if you will, that all of us struggle with. Um, like unto that, you know, we many of us have had it so good growing up. You know, we. We're on third base. We think we hit a triple, that kind of idea. Uh, But we've grown it up so, it it looks so good out there. We think, you know, heaven on earth is owed to us. Um, And I think we've lost a little bit of the pilgrim attitude. Uh, It's all a matter of perspective. I know that. But if you think that God has promised this world would be a five star hotel, uh, I think you're going to be miserable uh, as you live the Normal struggles of life, don't you? Uh, if you, yeah, if yeah I mean, you know, if if you if you remember God's promises uh, that we're going to be aliens, we're going to be pilgrims on this earth, and you're going to feel more like a desert experience than a uh, than you know a mansion or even a prison. Sometimes uh, you might find yourself surprisingly happy. When I travel to Africa or travel to these third world countries. Uh, it's amazing how happy these kids are with very, very little. And now you got toys galore, and kids are wanting more and more. And uh, that's—it's it, basically a struggle with how we were raised, and again, our expectations. My counselor told me the other day. She said, you know, my job ninety percent of the time is to lower expectations. I think that's absolutely correct. Yeah,
0: I'll tell you what I used to tell my sons. <laughs> When they were little, I said, "You guys got it so easy." I said, when I was a kid for Christmas, I got a rock or a stick, And if I was good, I got both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know Randy, what you yeah. said about the grass being greener, and you know my my phrase, come back to that is always, yeah, but you still gotta mow it. But then I yeah. started thinking about it. If you've ever seen horses in a field, they've got an entire field, but they're fenced in. And what are they going to do? They stick their head over the fence to eat that sure. grass on the other side. They've got an entire field. <laughs> got to get some of that stuff over there. But I what you, you said about pilgrims and the desert and everything, you think about it. When they used to ride those stagecoaches across the country, eight miles a day, that was yeah. it. Yeah. And you're thinking, oh, my God, those are some tough ombres right there. And yeah. out in Phoenix, as you're coming in from the east side to Phoenix, there is a big massive sign it's like the hollywood sign those are probably 50 foot letters that says phoenix with an arrow so and it's been a you know it's over 100 years old i'm sure they painted it possibly repaired it but it basically gave those people those you know those carts it's like phoenix is that way we're not completely lost Yeah, right. gave them that little ray of hope oh my gosh we're getting somewhere
1: yeah i mean Yeah, exactly. Well, what you're really talking about is faith to keep on moving. And so, oh, I I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And so I've got to exercise faith. And we think that faith guarantees some sort of outcome that if you exercise faith, you're going to be a rewarder, that God will reward those that diligently seek him. That's absolutely correct. But what kind of reward does he give you? What kind of goodness does he bring? You know, I think faith in Jesus, for example, doesn't guarantee that everything will go our way. Never did. Look at he- Hebrews 11, chapter that's sometimes called the, the Hall of Fame chapter of faith. Uh, I mean, if you consider really just the first three heroes mentioned in that chapter, um, I love what Bruce Walkie says, who's a, a friend of mine um, and went on an Israel trip with me. He he pointed out those three, said Abel had faith and he died. Enoch had faith. He did not die. Noah had faith and everyone died. (laughs) So, so, I mean, you can't guarantee just because you're walking by faith that your life is going to be candy canes and lollipops. Let's face it. Life isn't always fun and we shouldn't expect it to be. Uh, The problem is we want it all and all we need, we think, for God to show us the way, if only he could show us the way. Well, you know what? I think he has. And I think we're going to talk about that in just a minute. Well, Randy, one thing that
0: I absolutely will attest is that God gives us an abundant life, but he shows his wicked sense of humor because he never specifies what that abundance is. That's right. You know, I mean, we, a couple of shows ago, we talked about Job. Job cut enough misery for an entire tribe. And that was one guy and right. so some people think that this person catches all the breaks and everything else I think a lot of it just comes down to what your mindset is when you receive any stimulus input comments you you can interpret them whatever
1: your attitude is at the yeah. time no, I agree uh, you know people say an antidepressants you know will prove this both an older and the younger generation It's a it's a, it's an anxious generation that we live in. I mean, it's danger out there. There's fear of the future. Uh, there's anxiety of the present. Uh, and people have asked, asked me, how do you define anxiety? And this is how I define anxiety. Anxiety is simply living out the future before it gets here. It's living out the future before it gets here. Um, And that leads us to something about God's will, His directional will. I don't think God hides things from His people. Now, there are a lot of scenarios we don't know about, obviously, a lot of mysteries we can't figure out. But I believe there's a will of decree that is not usually known by people of God, no doubt about that. But is He trying to confuse us or to hide the truth? I don't think so. You know, the conventional view of directional will of God is that he will. Uh, he he not only hides it from us, but he also expects us to find it. I just think that's wrong. But that turns us to where we need to go to be able to discover what he has revealed, and that is the scripture. And that's where we land right now. And we need wisdom to be able to know what the scripture is saying clearly, and to be able to lean on some good counselors to be able to help us figure out what it says. What well, I think clearly. Uh, and, and it goes back to this deal that, you know, uh, it's not what I don't know in the scripture that gets me in trouble. It's what I know to do, and I don't do it, that always lands me in trouble. If I just did what it was clearly revealed there, I, I'd, all the pieces of the puzzle would fall into place. My problem is I don't do that. I'm trying to find the mystery of it all. Shoot, he'll, he'll lead me like a, a path that's lighted to the next step, if I'll just do what he asked me to do. And it starts right there, well, not know, hiding as well. Randy,
0: I, I think about a good analogy of what we're dealing with in our society. If you've ever had a discussion on social media, mm-hmm. and it can go down a rabbit hole pretty quick. And when someone is at a loss, they start making personal attacks, or they want you to verify everything. And what it is, is I'm too daggone lazy to look it up for myself. I'm going with the bullet points that make me feel good. You prove to me. And by the way, while you're proving it, put up where you found what you just said. So I don't have to waste my time finding it because I'm not interested in finding out that I could be
1: wrong. Yeah, yeah, very, very true. You know, um, the question for me is, Okay, we've got the scripture in front of us. We've got somebody that's going to help us try to understand that. The way of wisdom is what I would call it. So can we boil it down to one statement? I, I, this is what I do for my own life. Um, and this is kind of the medicine that I take. Augustine said it best. He said, love God and do as you please. He said, no, that seems a little laissez-faire, a little too liberal, a little too free spirit on that. I don't think so. It's two parts to that, love the Lord, love God, and do as you please. Psalm 37 says you don't lean on your own understanding, and so delight yourself in the Lord, delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. So my job is to delight myself in him. His job is to either give me the desires of my heart or change my desires, and uh, I guess my question is, do you think that's a fair statement? I, I really lean on that a lot. And because it leads me to then making a decision and not being passive, there's times to wait, but there's times, many, many more times, I think, in which we become, here's the word, lazy. We become lazy. And, uh, you know, you can just be about anything you want to be as long as you're not lazy. And <laughs> That's the weirdest part about Scripture Proverbs talks about that all the way through. We've got to be industrious. But most of us really substitute words and we over-spiritualize it. Uh, We're we're basically lazy or complacent. Uh, We're not content. We're complacent because we're not doing anything. Just do something. You say, well, what what do we do? Okay, may I I quote one thing and then I'll shut up for a second? (laughs) Because this thing gets me revved up. A a friend of mine said it this way. You can serve the Lord in a thousand different jobs. We need missionaries and we need pastors. We also need entrepreneurs who create jobs so people can make money so they can support missionary and pastors. And we need entrepreneurs because work is good. Please don't ever think you're a second-class citizen in the kingdom of God if you aren't in full-time ministry. You can honor the Lord as a teacher, mother, doctor, lawyer, loan officer, social worker, You can work in retail, fast food, politics, or big business. You can be a butcher, a baker, yep, you got it, or a candlestick maker. You see, I don't think there's a dot in God's will. I I don't think you're searching for the right person. I think you find choices in Scripture that are clear, that are aligning yourselves with the purposes of God. They're all good. What is it that ignites your heart? Pray that through. Do it, and I think you're in the center of God's divine decree, God's desired will, and God's directional will. I think it's that simple. He's not playing hide-and-go-seek with his will, and yet we tend to think he's hiding out, wants us to exercise faith, I can't do it yet because I can't see clearly, I'm in a fog bank, and therefore, because I'm in a fog bank, I become paralyzed by fear, and the cycle continues on. Anyway. That's my take. Randy, the word you
0: just used was heart. And so much of it, we have to truly drive our emotions, our actions from our heart. The problem, as you have said, emotions are real. They're just not reliable. And so many of us really want something. We feel passionate about it. But a lot of times it's a short term, quick fix emotion that we are nurturing and if it doesn't happen, we all become Thomas and say, I need physical proof. And then when we don't get physical proof on our time, then we start questioning things. And then it's apple cart upset. I mean, everything goes mm-hmm. out and just rational thought is, is a almost a, a, a honed desired skill that so many people just say, well, that doesn't make sense to me. So it can't happen. It's Where's it's- your faith?
1: Yeah, well, you know, if I had a dollar for everybody that said to me, um, you know, uh, I got a word or um, I put out a fleece or I had an impression or ah, that's an open door, Uh, you know, I had a guy tell me not long ago, he said, you know, I um, got this new job opportunity and I got to take it. It's an open door. Well, the problem was that his marriage was crumbling. He was on the road anyway quite a bit, and I'd be on the road more. And uh, it's an open door, though, and uh, she just got to live with it. I'm thinking, no, no, no. That's not an open door. That's an open uh, temptation uh, to take that. And where you're tending to your knitting should be back home because that's the biblical priority. And unfortunately, we, we, read, in we read into whatever we want to read into and that end becomes the problem. I think one other thing on this, I think that we to we'll talk for a second about the difference between contentment and complacency. They're not the same. Uh, I'm not arguing for somebody that needs to be complacent when they are, you know, bitter resignation that they're in a dead-end street in their present circumstances. What I am arguing for is what the Apostle Paul called in 1 Timothy 6.6, 6, he calls it godliness with contentment. Uh, And he said, if you have that godliness with contentment, you have great gain. That's what I'm talking about. Because contentment says, God has me here for a reason. And if I never do anything different, I'll still serve him and praise him. That's what contentment is. Complacency basically says, just the opposite, says, things will never change. So why bother trying? It's woe is me. I think I'm you know, just a doormat. And I, this is my assigned position forever. Uh, no, 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 no. Um, God loves you more than that. So complacency isn't the wine, it's the dredge of the wine. It's not the coffee, it's the grounds below, it, it's the dredge. No, that's not what we're talking about. Um, but, But contentment with godliness, have great gain. So here's my question to you on that. Um, you're getting ready to make some life major life decisions, uh, both in your work. I know. And in your move, I know. And uh, uh, you have a a wife to please and a, you know, divided house will not stand trying to figure all that out. So how do you take all of the stuff? We I mean, all these various topics, how do you personally internalize that and say, okay, um, how am I going to make a decision to cut out stuff so I can then focus on, as we talked about before this podcast, doing the one thing and not moving around from different ideas or what did you call it, a squirrel thought? Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that you just you know, oh that looks good. Oh, jumping around and there's a squirrel. How do, how do you settle in on making that decision? Because it's a tough one. I know that you're faced with it right now. Yeah, it. I wish I had
0: one answer that I could use as my go-to. Yeah. But, you know, if you ask me that question tomorrow, I may give you a different answer than what I'm about to give you today. Sure. And so in some ways it's unnerving. Um, Let me share this story. I was coaching. This was during my time as the head women's coach at the University of Illinois. And we were on deck at a swim meet and I'm talking to one of my swimmers And she just stopped. She says, Jim, you're one of the most intense people I know. I said, me? She goes, yeah, let me explain it. You've got somebody in the water right now that you're watching them swim. You're taking splits. You're talking to me. You just talked to her about her race strategy, and you're just doing a diagnosis for the person on the other side of you about their race they just swam. She goes, just because you smile a lot doesn't mean you're not intense. And I, I always appreciated that because it, it was a different perspective. But Randy, I think mm-hmm. to a point, I have slowed down reacting. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that what my real goals and desires mm-hmm. and what I want in life is much more family geared rather mm-hmm. than this could help my career. Mm-hmm. Um in most situations, people know very quickly, I'm not using something as a stepping stone. Yeah. And it, um, I still have buyer's remorse, if you will. I go, well, did I really make the right choice and this, that, and the other. And you know, why does it seem like I'm prone to this? I will tell you, and I say this um, with a hundred percent sincerity, you know, these people say in a job interview, what's your, what's your one fault? Well, uh, you know, when they give some lame patent answer, right? It's like, oh, aren't you just so clever? A fault that I have, and it's a fault because it's gotten me in trouble, is my initial instinct is I absolutely trust what somebody tells me. Mm-hmm. And I, to this day, it, and it's not that I'm gullible, it's just that they bring enough credibility and credence to it. It's like,
1: yeah.
0: well, I believe that. I believe right. that's true. And so, I know that that has blown up in my face. Mm -hmm. And thus, as we are looking to very likely be moving to Arizona within the year, it's not a secret. Um, And it is Diane moved so many times for my career. Mm -hmm. I love
1: my in-laws and it's time that we took care of them. Mm -hmm. Well, you're wrestling with his directional will for your life, but you're not passive. Uh, You're seeking it. Uh, he's not playing hide and go seek. I think God says, seek and you'll find, and that's what you're going to do. You're going to walk by faith to do that. Even if it's a tough journey, uh, you know, you mentioned about trusting people, um, you know, all of us have clay feet and, uh, we're all a bit fickle when it comes to that. Jesus could do no great and mighty works because of their unbelief and he didn't trust them. So he moved on, um, in the end, and this is where I want to conclude in the end, uh, I think we choose what we believe are God's priorities. We can't lose. We just can't lose. My speaking career, if it didn't line up with uh, what I thought were God's principles, uh, I wouldn't give the message because I could not feel confident that he was going to say boy or bless it in any way. So it had to be a, a square with the biblical principles. Um, in the seeking God's directional will— I think the Bible tells us what God's priorities are. It could be dealing with orphans, the poor, the unsaved, those that need encouragement, marriage and family, coaching, which you're considering right now, coaching others to maturity, et cetera. So I think you press on, you find out what are those choices that line up with God's will in terms of His heart, and then you just pick one, pray it through, may seek godly counsel and do it. Here's what I think. I think if you do it, He will direct you or redirect you. He'll close doors then, or He'll open them. He uses a person who is on the path moving. God has already set His priorities. Here's the thing. If you say, well, I think God talks to me, yeah, can He talk to you? It happens. I think it's more rare than we think. I've never heard the audible voice, but I think He talks to us through His Word. And I think when he does, he'll give us things that are good. And so choose one and get moving. One that you feel confident in because the scripture says, they're in alignment with my heart. That will be his will for the time being. And in that, he may lead you to the next phase. Um, In the end, what we're aiming at in this podcast, brother, is a simple theme that many people think there's a perfect dot. I mentioned that. And they wait until they're sure. You know what I think? We're never really sure. There are many dots in God's will that are good, uh, acceptable, and perfect. Not just one job, not just one person, not just one place to live. There's great freedom, and we must decide. Now, I'll say this. When you have decided on a dot called marriage, uh, that is the person, ideally, in God's uh, divine decree. Um, But we got to decide. And that word means to cut out. We must cut out the options, focus, and go for it. And that's all I got to say about this topic. <laughs> well, you, you know, in some ways, four, Randy. Four million words. Yeah. I, th-
0: I think we could probably just uh, uh, take the advice of Ronald Reagan when he said, trust, but verify.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, yeah. hey. Including me, including me and you. <laughs> that's right you think there's fact checkers going to check out anything we say here? Well, there should be. <laughs> go ahead. No, my, no, no, my wife. Kathy's listening upstairs. She's going to check the facts after I get off. <laughs> I want to encourage
0: everyone to share this podcast with their family and friends and go to Randy's website. Dr. Randy Marshall pro. D-R-R-A-N-D-Y-M-A-R-S-H-A-L-L pro. Or if you or your company are interested in doing a podcast and have me as your host or conducting a team building seminar or workshop, please visit my website at lifecoachjim.pro. You can also get your weekly boost each Monday by liking Randy Salt Talk Facebook page. These are great short reads that continue to help bring perspective to your day. For Dr. Randy Marshall, this is Jim Lute saying stay safe, And God bless. And we will see you soon on our next installment of Salt Talks.